Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. Would you turn with me to the book of Philippians chapter 3, please? We're teaching verse by verse through the book of Philippians, started the first of the year. I thank you for your wonderful faithful attendance. When we first started today, we thought the rain had washed you out, but you came through. Glad to see so many have been here numerous times. We're glad to see Joe and Marshila back with us today. Glad to have Jay and Christine with us today. Glad to see Jeffrey and Mallory back. They're coming regularly. Thank you. Dean and I are glad to see Bert and Mary Griffin. Where'd you go? There they are, right there. Scott Griffin's parents, but we won't hold that against you. So proud of Scott. Would you lift up your prayers continually for Scott? He's getting national assignments now with CBS. Starting his own business. Where's Kevin got? Kevin? You know, um, Kevin and Holly and Aiden are special members of our church. Kevin is such a blessing to us, providing the security that we've agreed to with the WMU corporate buildings and um, Kevin and Holly have full-time jobs. They've also started businesses. She in photography and Kevin with a partner starting a new business. I'll tell you about that more as it goes. But I want you to pray for people like Scott, Kevin. We love small business here. We love people who are in small business and commissioned people who walk and live by faith. You are where your pastor's heart is and has been for a long time. We praise the Lord for you. I pray for you and for your business all the time. Philippians chapter 3. We have an interesting passage here today. Chapter 3 and verse 1, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. You know what Paul is saying? I've got to repeat some things that you've heard me say over and over again. But he says, I don't get tired of telling you. I do it for your own well-being. If I have any bosses in here today, if I have anybody who is in ministry, never, ever, ever assume, and I believe the teachers will agree with me, never assume that just because you say something once that people have it. Thank you, Linda. You have to say 
even the truth over and over and over and over again, couched in so many different ways for people to get it. Never apologize for saying that which is true over and over again. Paul says, I'm, I, I, it's not tedious for me to tell you. And then he says in verse 2, beware of dogs. Now, what an interesting passage. Some of you are thinking, well, I see that sign all over my neighborhood. <laughs> beware of dogs. You didn't know it was in Scripture, did you? Beware of dogs. What in the world could the apostle be talking about in the context of writing a church saying, beware of dogs? Understand this, that the dogs in the context of that day, specifically to these to whom he was writing, and generally to all of those that I will describe later who came, came afterward, the dogs were those who had gotten in there shortly after the grace of God had been received by new believers and started nipping and barking and devouring those who had received the grace of God by trying to put on, on the grace of God, having to put fleshly stipulations of being accepted by God that was beyond the grace of God. Rules and regulations, feasts and festivals, all kinds of old covenant requirements that were given to a people in a, in, a, in a past day before Jesus. What they were saying is the grace of God is not enough. You have got to go back and practice the tenets of Judaism and to add to the grace of God is well and good and Jesus is well and good, but to really be accepted by God, you have got to go back and do this, 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 and this for you to be accepted by God on an ongoing basis. You don't have to use your imagination to, to, to know that Paul didn't think much of that group. He called them dogs. Those who would bite and devour and snarl and eat away at that which God had given freely through His grace. Beware of evil workers, that is, those who propagate that your relationship with God is based on what you can do, that your relationship with God is somehow dependent on your performance instead of Jesus' performance on your behalf. Evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. Well, how do you handle that? Well, I'm just going to tell you the truth. Who was he talking about? He was talking about those who had come into the church and demanded that those who were new believers go back to the old principles of Judaism, one of those being that if you were really in covenant with God in those Old Testament days, then you were to make certain, every family was to make certain that every male child was to be circumcised in the foreskin of the adult male, and, and even as children, the male sexual organ, the reproductive organ of a male, circumcision. And they, they were taught 
that unless that happens, you can't really belong and be approved by God in covenant. And what these people were saying is on this side of the cross, despite the grace of God, you've got to go back to the old ways of, uh, of your own performance or else you don't really, you're really not accepted by God. Can everybody say, wow? Paul says, for we in Christ Jesus, we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the things of the flesh. You say, well, Pastor, I sure am glad that that kind of thing's not going on today. That thing has not gone away. Religion never changes. Religion, man's pursuit to somehow get God to accept us, the lies of the evil one do very well under the disguise of religion. Yes, you accept God by grace through faith, but religion says for God to really accept you and really love you, you've got to do this, 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 and this, or else he really doesn't love or accept you. That is the mind of religion. And it is no different and no less, no less poisonous than what the Philippian church was experiencing. Are you listening to me today, church? God loves you unconditionally. God accepts you today on the basis of what Jesus has done on your behalf, not on the basis of how good your choices can line up. Do not believe the lies and the poison of religion that somehow, God, you can get him to love you if you'll do this enough and that enough. That is the poison of the evil one. It is not the gospel of the grace of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Why is it so hard for us to believe? Because we live in a culture where everything... Everything outside of that gospel is somehow related to performance-based acceptance. I don't do well in my job unless I perform well. I don't, I'm not accepted at school unless I perform well. And if I don't do well, then I can't do this. Everything seems to be related to performance in our culture. The problem is most of us in performance-based acceptance, which is propagated through religion, most of us believe that somehow we've got to get motivated by that which is defined as success by this world system. But you know, that world system can only give you 
the motivation in very limited, very, very, very limited doses. Because sooner or later, you're not going to measure up to what the world says is success. And the world that demanded you to succeed will be very, very quick to condemn you and tell you you're worthless. And what happens is we develop this religious mindset that I am no good. I'm a failure as a person, as a husband, as a father, as a businessman, as a woman, as a, as a wife, as a mother. I am such a failure because of this, 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 and this. How many of you know that God sees you? God, give us revelation of this. God sees you as just as loved and just as valuable as Jesus. Never forget 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to become sin on your behalf that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ, in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus? Then you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Do we always act like it? Do you know our problem? Our problem is not that we're dirty, rotten sinners trying to be saved by grace. Our problem is that we don't really believe how our Father sees us. Because if we really believed it, then we would start living in line with how He says it is. And boy, what a challenge that is on a daily basis, is it not? So many lies that we have to filter through every day. So many lies. Don't define your value on the basis of anything else but Jesus' performance on your behalf. It is not only by grace you're saved, it is by grace that you live and walk by the Spirit of God. Well, Pastor, does that mean I have a license to do anything I want to or desire to because my Father sees me in Christ Jesus? No. It, the Bible says, Romans 6, 6, shall we, shall we continue in sin that grace might increase? God forbid. When I begin to really see how I really am in Christ Jesus, that gives me the motivation to live and walk by faith and obedience and not believe nor fall for the lies of performance-based acceptance, which is, related, which is rooted in religion. Never forget that the devil was very religious. His name was Lucifer. He was an angel that was in charge of grant giving worship to the Creator, our Father God Almighty. And the Bible says in his own heart, out of his own will, he chose to place his throne above God's. But remember, he was the worship leader in the heavenlies before his fall. You can read about it in Isaiah chapter 14 or Ezekiel chapter 28. What does that tell you? That in the religious mind there is great rebellion. 
And God hates the spirit of religion that says for him to accept you, it's all about your performance instead of about the performance of him through his son, the Lord Jesus. Beware of dogs, beware of the mutilation, the circumcision, those who are all about performance-based acceptance. I'm no good unless I... Paul says, I may have confidence in the flesh if anyone thinks he has confidence in the flesh. I far more. By the way, you know what the flesh is? Let me give you a definition. The flesh are those old patterns of thinking, thoughts, speaking, words, and behaving actions. Old patterns of thinking, speaking, and behaving that are not under the control and direction of the spirit of life. Hmm. You know what Jesus said about our flesh? John 6, 63, he says, it's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Hmm. What makes you feel great about yourself? What makes you think that you are so valuable to God? Is it your education? Is it your degree? Is it your job? Is it your income? Is it your family? Is it where you live or what you drive? What makes you feel like you, have, you are acceptable and, and, and your Father in heaven is proud of you? Is it any of those things? Jesus says the flesh profits you nothing in the sight of God. It's the Spirit who gives you life. You know what Paul said? He said the flesh, walking by the flesh, leads to death. This is not in your outline. Romans 7, 18, Paul says, In my flesh there dwells no good thing. You know what he says? I don't even have the right motives in my flesh. What is it? that makes you feel like you're valuable. If it is something that is out of your own performance, then you need to go to the cross with it and say, God, forgive me for believing that my value was because of my performance instead of yours. James says every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of light with whom there is no variation or shadow. Do you believe that or do you believe you're responsible for it? We're not to become passive and say, well, you know, it doesn't matter what I do. It does matter what I do because, you know, the Bible says that we have been recreated in Christ Jesus. But what that manifests itself in is in good works. But works that are not with the motive of trying to get God to accept me. It is good works that flow out of the motive of pleasing the one who does not look at me and judge me on the condition of my own obedience. What are you saying, Pastor? Religion will put all these demands on you and then dump all kind of condemnation and shame on you for not living up. Anybody in here ever experienced condemnation and shame? I lived under it for 40 some odd years let me put both hands up and let me tell you it is hideous 
it is a deceitful lie from the devil. You say, you sure feel passionate about this. You better believe I do. It had its foot on my neck for most of my life, and I'm not going back. God, give us revelation of your love and grace. You say, well, I don't know. I'm doing pretty good now. I'm, look at what Paul says. I, if anybody has confidence in the flesh, I, I have more so. Verse 8, circumcised the eighth day, stock of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee. Do you know a Pharisee had to know every one of the first five books of the Old Testament by heart? Concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. In other words, I was outwardly consumed by religion and others thought that I was right on the top of my game. Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, I was found blameless. People couldn't find any fault with my performance. Verse 7, but what things were gained to me, these I've counted lost for Christ. Yes, indeed, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, trash, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from obedience to the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which God gives me through faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Wow. Paul knew that in the eyes of the only one that really counted, everything he had done and accomplished outside of the grace of God through Christ Jesus was rubbish. It was no good. It had no value to it. And so, I say to you today, what is it? What is it that we still believe has brought more value to us than the cross of Jesus? Where is it that we are placing our desire for righteousness? Is it in our performance or is it in the performance of Jesus alone? What is it? Notice Paul says, I have counted all things lost. All these things did was deceive me into a self-righteous view of myself that was false. I have, there, it's rubbish now. I want, I want to know the power of the resurrection of Jesus being conformed to the fellowship of his sufferings. How many of you really want the resurrection power of Jesus in your life? Do you know the resurrection power of Jesus? I mean, what can stop the resurrection power of Jesus? Can God birth that business through you or rebirth the business through you with the resurrection power of Jesus? Is there anything that can stop it? 
is that anything can stop the rest. Death could not hold Jesus in the tomb. Do you know that the resurrection power of Jesus lives on the inside of you? Because Jesus didn't, lo- he didn't leave his resurrection power outside when he came in. But have you embraced the fellowship of his sufferings? Now what does that mean? Do you know that there's an intimacy that is developed with the Lord when you are willing to suffer for his sake? Pastor, how do you suffer for his sake? When you are willing to suffer for the value for the sake of somebody else, that is redemptive suffering. That is when you recognize that God could have put you with anybody else He didn't have to put you with this family. He didn't have to put you with that circle of friends. He didn't have to put you in this job. But when you are willing to say, Lord, I count it an honor to suffer what I'm doing for your sake, and I refuse to get bitter, I will forgive and bless those whose choices are causing me pain. That is redemptive suffering. And there is an intimacy that is developed between you and God when you suffer that way that is not developed any other way. Because that, that suffering, when you suffer for somebody else, that touches the heart of God because that's what He does all day, every day for you. God suffers because of my sin. But he wasn't responsible, and out of his love, he forgives me, and he releases me, and empowers me, and blesses me. When you are willing to join the Lord in doing that, you will enjoy the fellowship of his sufferings, and i got to tell you, you will have greater revelation of the power of his resurrection. You can't have resurrection without death. God, I release, I put to death my own desires. I I, I yield to you. My children, they're in your hands. I, I, I suffer because I hurt for them. But I ask you, Father, to take, that, that, that you would get involved in whatever you want me to do to join you. I'll pray in the middle of the night. I'll reconcile. I'll write. I'll call. Or I'll keep my mouth shut. I will do whatever you lead me to do. It's intimacy with the Lord that is born out of suffering that helps us connect with the power of His resurrection. You know what that means? There's a, for those of you who are suffering, for those of you who are suffering redemptively, for those of you who are suffering because of the choices of other people but are still walking with the Lord, walking not in bitterness, not, not in regret, but willing to forgive and bless. There is a day where the power of His resurrection is going to be manifested in your family, in your business. The power of His resurrection is greater than any suffering that is temporary that we go through on this earth. Oh God, give us revelation of how you see us. Help us to see that you see us in Christ. And as according to Ephesians 1, you have made us accepted. 
You have made us righteous. You have forgiven us. And you have deposited your very life on the inside of us. Not my own righteousness, but that which is granted to me in faith. You know what I prayed this morning? Lord Jesus, please, by the Holy Spirit, reveal to me any area where I'm walking short of the grace of God. Any area where I'm walking in dependency on the flesh, where the flesh is manifesting itself in any way. Make me aware of it. I'll repent by your grace. Do you know that the only thing that's going to hold you back is a failure to see where the grace of God's going in your life? What the grace of God is doing because the grace of God is His favor. It's His ability. Ask the Holy Spirit to restrain you from making steps that are outside of grace. Ask the Holy Spirit to affirm you in those steps that are walking in grace because that is where not only the fellowship of his sufferings but the power of his resurrection reside don't walk outside of the pathway of his grace and be deceived into thinking that it is you who have made yourself valuable in the eyes of your God he already sees you that way do you know many of you God please release those in the sound of my voice today Please release those in the sound of my voice who are trying to receive, to achieve something that they need to receive. Those who are working to gain something that is already in their account, open their eyes, that they may see and receive and embrace your grace. Now today we're going to seal our dependency on our Lord and celebrate what he has done on our behalf, made us righteous in the eyes of God. Today we're going to receive here at the end of the service, Holy Communion. We celebrate open communion here, anybody and everybody. We have a kingdom agenda here. We're not into this faction or that faction and competition with other groups. We invite you all to celebrate the body and blood of Jesus on your behalf. We'll ask the men to come forward, please. I ask you to pray and be ready to receive with a prayerful heart. This marvelous, wonderful gift we celebrate the body and blood of Jesus today. Father, we hereby declare these elements will go from a natural use to a holy and spiritual use. We ask that we would be reminded today that we're in a covenant, a blood covenant, on the basis of the blood of Jesus, and that He has paid it all. Bear witness in the lives of all of us, Lord, where we're walking in the flesh so that we may repent and say, Lord, I repent of that. By faith, I walk today by your Spirit. Show me where you're going. Help me to walk in grace. In Jesus' name.
You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.